Hello, I'm Kendra Winchester here with Autumn Privet, and this is Reading Women, a podcast where we're reclaiming half the bookshelf by discussing books written by or about women. And this is episode 53, where we're talking about the theme fractured fairy tales. Hello, Kendra. Hello, Autumn. It is actually finally Autumn. Finally. Yeah. I mean, t- and today I actually had to put on socks and a sweater. Oh my goodness. And you're in Atlanta. I am. So it was basically a Christmas miracle. <laughs> it was basically the same temperature, though. It's going to be all winter. It's just going to be right. cool. <laughs> Which I'm fine with. But anyway, we picked this theme for this month because it's kind of almost holiday season. And we wanted to do something fun and kind of random and kind of magical. And that's kind of how we landed on it. We should do something like fantasy or mystery or something genre-y for October anyway, because it's that kind of season where you can snuggle up with fuzzy socks and a blanket and your corgi or cat of choice and read a book. And I think most of these books fit that bill. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And we definitely have a theme, an unintentional secondary theme, which we will talk about later. Uh, but we ended up taking it very figuratively this time. On accident. It just kind of happened. But anyway. You know, we just went with how the bookish spirit led. And, and this is exactly. what happened. So You never know where it leads. <laughs> but first, we have news. We do have news. And it is award season, which I know is your favorite thing to talk about. Pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, so it is the National Book Award announced its long list for its different categories. And so we have the new translation prize that's actually open, which is pretty exciting. It's very exciting. And we saw uh, Olga Dukarczyk, Flights is on there, as well as uh, Disoriental, which was won all of the things over in France this year, last year and the year before that. And let's see, on the, okay, the long list for fiction, I basically only called one of them, and that was There There by Tommy Orange. <laughs> yeah, I was not surprised to see that one on there. Also, what made it on that list was An American Marriage by Terry Jones, The Great Believers by Rebecca Mackay, Florida by Lauren Groff, and some others. Oh, uh, Heads of the Color People, Nafisa Thompson Spires. So a lot of really great books there. And most of them that we've talked about, but I didn't really pick them to be on the long list. But there have been so many good books this year. Yeah, you know, I feel like there's been so many in, the I guess, we, what we might call the front runners for this particular year that it's just kind of yes. all over the place. And I don't think there are any that stand out per se. I really wanted a place for us to be on the National Book Award long list. But alas, it was not. Yeah, and I guess that's really what I meant. It's like there's been so many, there's not been one standout book this year or like two standout books this year, I guess. Yeah, so I'm interested to see what the judges decide with the other ones. We did a Q&A with Rebecca Mackay over on the website. So if you want to go check that out. And Oprah called American Marriage way back in what, what February? So <laughs> Yes, a long time ago. Oprah always she knows. Does. She does. And then over on the nonfiction list, Called Them by Their True Names by Rebecca Solnit is on there. And I just finished that book. And oh, my goodness. They say it's one of her best ones. You know, I read 
I read the blue one of hers. Men explain things to me. Yes, I read that one and liked it. But I agree. I think this one's better than that one. It was just very to the point but poetic. And the lines of thought that she followed were incredible. Um, So it's just really good. I'm very excited to see Carol Anderson on the list. She wrote One Person No Vote, How Voter Suppression is Destroying Our Democracy, which is very timely. Yes. Yeah, she wrote White Rage and also had an essay in The Fire this time, which was edited by Jasmine Ward. Yes, and I got to see her at a talk when they were on book tour for The Fire this time. And she's very, she's a wonderful person. I'm just so excited for that book. And in addition to the National Book Foundation's National Book Award long list, we have their five under 35 list. And so you have Freshwater by Wiki Mezzi, The Golden State by Lydia Kiesling, Sonora by Hannah Lilith Asadi. And each of these writers is picked by another writer. And so that's kind of how that works. And it's just highlighting young writers in who are writing in America in particular. And I have The Golden State on my shelf right now, and I need to carve out a path to get to it. <laughs> so many books. Buried. Buried. Anyway... So yeah, those are some really exciting books and some really exciting names on that list. And they also announced the Man Booker, well, across the pond, they announced the Man Booker shortlist, and that is for their fiction, and it is any book published in the UK, it originally published in English, so they opened it up to Americans and other different countries that spoke English that were not in the Commonwealth a few years, well, several years ago, actually, at this point. And I was very excited to see Washington Black by Asiya Dujian on that shortlist. Yeah, some really interesting books on the shortlist, and a lot of women, too. Um, Milkman by Anna Burns was on there. Everything Under by Daisy Johnson. And The Mars Room by Rachel Kushner were also on that list. So strong showing of women for that award. Yeah, and, you know, we we talked about this, I think, last time, but uh, the Washington Black by S.E. Eugene is the only she's the only author that is a person of color on, on I think the whole long list so I was very you know we talked about how we were a little disappointed that they couldn't have both a lot of women and a lot of people of color but I'm really pulling for her because I'm in the middle of Washington Black right now and I really love it and Sally Rooney was my favorite and she didn't make the shortlist so I've heard so many things about that book recently but I will not sidetrack us <laughs> So moving on. Yes. So that is award season. We will return uh, next month talking about some other award things happening. But uh, keep an eye on the National Book Award and the Man Booker Prize. And then you have the first recommendation. I do. Okay. So for Fractured Fairy Tales, uh, my first pick is Prairie Fires by Caroline Frazier. This is out from Metropolitan Books. And this was a sleeper hit because it came out in November of 2017. And if you know anything about books, you know that anything published in November, December often gets forgotten uh, just for whatever reason. Uh, But this one was not forgotten. He won the Pulitzer for biography this past spring. Oh my goodness. And it is a biography of Laura Ingalls Wilder. Yeah, this is an interesting choice. And for the theme of fractured fairy tales, I think most of us grew up reading Little House on the Prairie when we were kids. I know I did. And it seems to be like that staple book that especially girls read when they were in their preteens. 
But recently, there's been a kind of a new light shown on her work and kind of revealing some things that's causing quite a bit of controversy. Right. And the reason that I picked this for Fractured Fairy Tales is because so many of us read it as children, like I did, and preteens. And it's just a much beloved book by not just our generation, but many generations past. And she's such a huge figure. And there was the Laurie Ingalls Wilder Award, uh, which has recently been renamed. Um, and that's because with time, uh, flaws in a writer's perspective can come to light in different things. And Laurie Ingalls Wilder was a woman of her time. And like most white people at the time period, as she was racist in different ways and the way she portrayed uh, Native Americans as well as African Americans. And so that has been called to light. And one of the things that I really liked when reading about this book is that Caroline Frazier talks about the flaws in Laura Ingalls Wilder's perspective, but also recognizing why it was important. And I think that's so important is that we can talk about why Laura Ingalls Wilder's work is just so important for working class people and for chronicling an era, uh, but also recognize that she's not perfect and that we need to talk about these flaws so that we can be more aware of them. There's that quote, those who ignore history are doomed to repeat it or something like that. Basically. Basically, yes. yes. <laughs> so, like I was saying, there was the Laura Ingalls Wilder Medal, and she was the first one to receive it, and they recently changed it to the Children's Literature Legacy Award. So, instead of tying it to a single author, which, as we have discussed, there can be problems with that, they tied it to just to a legacy award. And their first recipient of that newly renamed award is Jacqueline Woodson. Which is well-deserved. We're huge fans of Jacqueline Woodson, and she's such an amazing writer. And I think she's like the ambassador for young people's literature or something right now and doing an amazing job so i felt like that was well handled and i appreciated how they didn't try to deny the fact that laura had some certain perspectives and had some issues uh, there was a line that caroline frazier talked about in one of the books i think it was actually a little house on the prairie where she said that the original line was there were no people here only indians yeah Yes. <laughs> and so her editors actually changed it because they found, realized it was offensive. And also how with the new editions of the books that have come out over the years, how they have edited it to try to stand the test of time a bit more, which I appreciate. If you want to know more about what happened to the Laura Ingalls Wilder estate and how the books came to be and some controversies, I really love uh, Caroline Fraser's take on Laura Ingalls Wilder. I think it's such a good read. And I would recommend it highly to anyone who read Laura Ingalls Wilder as a kid and wants to know the true story. So that is Prairie Fires by Caroline Frazier, and that's out from Metropolitan Books. So my first pick is A Place for Us by Fatima Farzine Mirza. And this is a book from Sarah Jessica Parker's imprint with Hogarth, the first book from this imprint. And if you've been on the internet in the last six months, you've probably seen this book. Um, it has a really amazing gold cover with purple writing, and it's just been everywhere. So it's with much fear and trepidation that I started reading this book, because, I don't know, sometimes the book just doesn't live up to the to the hype. And But this was such a great book. It's about an Indian-American Muslim family living in California, and it starts out at the daughter's wedding. And this is the oldest daughter in a family with three kids, two daughters and a son. And the story is told in different perspectives from the oldest daughter who's getting married, the mother, and the son. But then there's a twist at the end, which I'm not going to talk about. And so we kind of get this perspective of this 
Muslim family living in California around 9-11. And so you kind of see how the events going on in the world and just our immigration and how their beliefs were criticized in the public eye, especially post 9-11. And it's really just a beautiful story. I was surprised by the time I got to the end how moving it was. It's an incredible book. I mean, I haven't ugly cried for a book like this in a very long time, like because you finished the book and it's just you didn't see this coming because I feel like it starts a little bit slowly. You're getting to know the family, but by the end, you've gone on this journey and you understand so much more of the family's background and you're attached. And ugh. Yes. And I didn't, full disclosure, I did not ugly cry, but it was definitely, um, <laughs> so don't, don't worry. It does not affect all people the same way. Um, but it really was a, a really touching story. And as someone who... This is crazy. Josh's students were not born or they were babies when 9-11 happened. So just try not to think about that too hard. But as a someone who remembers 9-11 and seeing, now seeing how people are starting to analyze it in literature, especially people of color, is extremely important. And the story was just, it's a very... The first word that came to mind was complex, but not in a bad sort of way. It's a very multifaceted book that really gets into this family's lives and how they're trying to navigate living in America and also maintain their cultural and religious beliefs. And it's just, it's just really beautiful. It is so gorgeous. It's definitely worth the hype. Definitely worth the hype. Though I probably let my expectations get a little bit too high because I'm a bit of an optimist. So just keep them <laughs> modulated and you'll be fine. So the reason we picked this as kind of a fractured fairy tale is because I think we tell these cultural narratives about people groups and about events that happen. And it's important to get another perspective and see maybe the story that you've constructed isn't what it seems like on the outside. So that's the reason I picked this one for this episode. And also we have decided to choose this one as our discussion book for the next episode. So we will be unpacking that a little bit more and talking some more about the themes in this book then. So that is A Place for Us by Fatima Farheen Mirza. And it is out by Sarah Jessica Parker for Hogarth. And my discussion pick is Purple Hibiscus by Tumanda Nguzi Adichie. This is the debut of the very, very famous Nigerian author who wrote Americana and Half the Yellow Sun and a lot of other things. <laughs> um, and this is out from Algonquin. And I picked up this book because I loved Americana and I loved other things that uh, Adichie had done. So I read this book and it's about a girl who's growing up in Nigeria, Kambili, and she lives in what people believe to be the perfect family. Her dad is very religious and he's left his village and become a, a self-made man and he's very affluent and so he funds a lot of poor kids' education and does a lot of good to the community. But when the doors close in their home, her dad is very abusive and very controlling. And it's this coming-of-age story of Kambili finding her place in a post-colonial Nigeria and finding her place within a religious community and how she wants to handle that. And there's, there's just a lot. It's, there's a I just couldn't believe that this was a debut novel. I, I could not either. Like both, both uh, a place for us and purple hibiscus deal with families and they're both debuts and both of them are equally just 
astounding. As, as I mentioned, this is going to be uh, my discussion pick for our next episode. So we will be discussing this book as well. So we'll save a lot of the meat of that conversation for that particular podcast. But I highly recommend if you guys don't already that you could read along with us. Uh, we don't give spoilers, but I feel like there's so much to discuss in this book. It is a great read. And I was just blown away by what Adichie tackled in this first book. And yeah, it's just incredibly beautiful, very character driven. And I felt like I learned so much with Kambili and her family situation and coming to terms with that what she's experiencing is abuse. Uh, her dad is also physically as well as verbally abusive. And I feel like right now, especially, uh, we definitely need to pay attention and, and listen to more women's uh, survivor stories. And I think this is a very important topic as well that we could uh, discuss more. So uh, so that is Purple Hibiscus by Chimande Nguzia Diche, and that is out from Algonquin. And that brings us to our sponsor for this episode, which is Bomba Socks. And Bomba Socks says that they are the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. Kendra, you have a pair of Bomba Socks. Would you agree with that statement? I have many pairs, and I, I would say yes. It, they are amazing. They are absolutely fantastic. I actually brought them to the Decatur Book Festival. It was down in Atlanta, and I was like, Autumn, look, I'm going to wear my Bomba Socks today while we're running around talking to authors. <laughs> She was like, is the <laughs> ultimate trial. So Bombas was kind <laughs> enough to send us both some socks. And they really, like, I'm not a sock person, but the I put them on and stood up and went, oh, wow, these are comfortable socks. <laughs> <laughs> and I think one of the things that makes them so amazing is they do have that stay-up technology. There's this honeycomb system around your arch, so it's cushioned. But also in the back, you don't have that annoying thing where they fall down into your shoes and you have to pull them out and you get blisters none of that happens these are beautifully cushioned socks and having run around miles literally miles in these socks they are absolutely amazing and also like it was really hot but my feet didn't get all disgusting they were dry and comfortable and I was just very impressed really one other thing that's cool about Bomba Socks is for each pair of socks that they sell, they donate a pair of socks to homeless shelters. And one thing I didn't know before they told us about it was that socks are one of the most requested items in homeless shelters because you can't donate used socks or you want to have clean socks to donate. So they have this one-for-one one program, and to date they've donated nearly 9 million pairs of socks to homeless shelters across the country. That is really amazing. And I just think that is a beautiful thing that they're doing. So definitely check out Bomba Socks if you haven't already. There will, of course, be a link in our show notes. And you can go to Bombas. So that's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com forward slash reading women. And you can use the code reading women, no spaces. All of that information will be in our show notes. And definitely check that out. And you can get 20% off your first order. And so, Autumn, you have our next pick. So I'm so excited to finally talk about this book. I read it ages ago. and A year ago, about. <laughs> and somehow, <laughs> I think I read it in November, and then it never made it onto the podcast for whatever reason. So kind of selfishly, I picked this topic just to include this book. And that is Her Body and Other pa Parties, which is a short story collection by Carmen Maria Mikado. And this book is published by Grey Wolf Press, all hail Grey Wolf Press. And this is one of, like, okay, so this is a book that last year was really hyped a lot. And I was like, yeah, 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 whatever, whatever. And then they graciously sent us a copy, an advanced copy, 
and I read it and I went, oh my goodness, this is so good. It's a mix of like crime and magical realism and gender and creepiness and brilliance all in one package. Yeah. And wasn't it shortlisted for the National Book Award? It was. It was. And obviously, Jessamyn Ward won. But this really is a fantastic short story collection. And one of the ones that, well, the first, I'm pretty sure it's the first story in the collection, is called The Husband's Stitch. And it's about a woman who has a green ribbon around her, her neck. And she tells her husband that she can never take it off. And then and the suspense of wanting her to take this ribbon off of her neck kind of drives him mad until it comes to a very, very bizarre ending. And another story that really stood out to me, because it's really hard to summarize short stories, so I just picked a few of my favorites, is called Especially Heinous. And it is a series of summaries that summarizes the entire Law & Order SVU series. Um, which at first, quite honestly, was really tedious. But then once I realized what she was doing and why she was doing it and kind of how she unpacked it, I was really in awe of what she was doing in that short story. And it kind of ties in really well. If if you read Dead Girls or listened to our interview with Alice Bolin, it was it kind of ties into that and in that she's talking about in the short story collection, like the female body and like the different ways that it's abused or mishandled in society and it's just really good and it's about time for a reread so i'm just gonna stop talking they are advertising the 20th season of law and order svu and every time i see that ad i think of this <laughs> short story collection it's so good like it's it's oh man i didn't i was so mad at that story as i was reading it and then it's the one i can't shut up about like i cannot shut up about that story <laughs> so there you go it's so weird and wonderful in all the best ways. Yeah, it's a fantastic collection. And if you haven't gotten around to it or if it's floating around in your TBR somewhere, I definitely recommend uh, moving it up to the top. And in the UK, they just published it in hardback by Serpent's Tale. And this is that's the edition that I bought. And it's beautiful. It's neon green and amazing. And everyone should have one. Um, <laughs> so that is Her Body and Other Parties by C Carmen Maria Mikado. So next we have our guest spot, and this month, Samaya from Samaya Books, the bookstore account, and the book blog, is joining us today to give two of her recommendations for Fractured Fairy Tales. Samaya is originally from Saudi Arabia, but she's studying for her MA in English Literature over in India, so that's where she's calling from. So a little note on the audio, it might be a little crackly, uh, but it is coming from a very far location from where we normally record in the American South. Uh, but I love her recommendations. She's so insightful, so intelligent, so just very thoughtful in how she reviews her books. So without further ado, here is Samaya. So my first pick is Radio Silence by Alice Osman. And this book is about Frances. She's a high schooler who values studying and education about everything else. So the story sort of picks up uh, when her life intersects with Alid's. They have a shared past. Uh, he's actually the twin brother of one of her friends uh, that's no longer in her life. And he's also the boy next door. So becoming friends with Alid uh, brings out a suppressed side in Frances. 
And one of the reasons I chose this book is obviously, first of all, you have the typical boy meets girl or girl meets boy sort of narrative, but eventually they actually have a very platonic relationship rather than a romantic relationship. So that kind of breaks the conventions of, you know, of YA. And the main reason that I chose this is because of the way that it deals with the subject of higher education and the social conventions that kind of make us systemize our life and, you know, our sense of security and our success in life around getting an education, which will help us get a high paying job. So this book sort of opens up that debate on whether it's actually necessary to get a uh, to get a degree in order to become employable or whether we can actually live a satisfied life despite not having gone through uh, that traditional route that society plants as the obvious way to go. You know, like how you finish high school, uh, get a higher degree, preferably something in the sciences or engineering that will actually help you get a good, decent job. And I say that like with quotations, like air quotes. So yeah, Frances is pretty sure of her life. She is obsessed with education. She knows what direction she's going to go in. But as the story progresses and as she you know, comes to know a few people, she realizes that there is more out there and that for some people there is another definition of that perfect life and another way of finding satisfaction in life and it does not really align with her own idea you know her initial idea of what she wanted for herself so one of the reasons that i really liked this book is obviously for the subject matter and the greater debate that it starts i come from the kind of culture where education and you know specifically becoming a doctor or an engineer is highly valued and it's considered as more respectable than literature or the arts so i've always uh, come across people you know who found out that i was studying literature and said that, you know, I'm not really sure about your choice of education and all of that. So basically, when I look at Francis realizing, you know, that there can be different paths, I kind of think about all of those people who don't really realize this, who go for a certain thing because they're told that that's good for them. And in order to do that, they might actually miss out on something that they're passionate about and they might miss out exploring a side of themselves that has a lot of potential. And for the recommendations, I would recommend this to young adults because they're the intended audience and I think they would relate to the struggle that the characters go through. Uh, But I would also urge adults to read this if they're looking for something that's a bit youthful and nerdy, uh, but that also explores an important subject and a debate that's going on in our society right now. So the second book that I picked is Nothing Good Can Come From This by Christy Coulter. This is a collection of essays uh, on the author's alcoholism and sobriety. Uh, Initially, when the publisher messaged me about this book, I wasn't really sure if it was for me. But then I recently decided to read more memoirs. So I said yes, because obviously this was an opportunity that was presenting itself. Even as I picked it up to read, I didn't think that I would relate to it. Because obviously it's about alcoholism and the drinking culture. And I come from Saudi Arabia where we don't have that at all. So I'm very distanced to that. Now, this book is about drinking, alcoholism, and how, you know, that addiction controls the other aspects of the narrative's life. And generally anyone who's going through an addiction of that sort. 
uh, but I was actually surprised by how I connected to the voice of the author because perhaps because it was very personal but also because I guess we all have our addictions so on that level like on the on the aspect of the addiction part like I really related to it even though I did not expect to because again I come from Saudi Arabia where we don't have alcohol Anyway, so Coulter writes about the difficulties of being a woman in the 21st century, and she admits that she is privileged, uh, both in terms of her race and the wealth that she has gathered as a result of her work, you know, for a high-paying job. But obviously, despite all those privileges, being a woman does not make her life perfect or easy. As a woman and, and an alcoholic, life is difficult. And in one of her essays, she writes uh, the following quote. There is no easy way to become a woman because, as you may have noticed, there is no acceptable way to become a woman. And if there is no acceptable way to be a thing you are, then maybe some women drink a little or a lot. And I thought that this sort of represented a sort of fractured fairy tale to me because of how, you know, apparently drinking is an acceptable and celebrated part of life. I mean, it's it's an element of how you celebrate life in the Western adult culture. But that is until it's not, especially for women. Like when a woman becomes an alcoholic, life is way more difficult for her than perhaps than it is for a man because things anyway are easier for men. So of course, even though the drinking culture is one that I don't fully understand or relate to, I felt that I could truly look at this essay as an outsider as a result of that. I think another reason that I found this book to be intriguing and moving to read was that we all have our addictions that control us and that we escape into when life gets difficult. We all have fractured fairy tales when we carefully pluck elements of our lives to showcase online. And as Coulter writes in her own narrative about people in her life enabling her behavior and her alcoholism, our online self is also sort of enabled by the audience that we reveal ourselves to. I would recommend this book to anyone who's looking for a way into reading memoirs and essays and also someone who's trying to write their own nonfiction or creative nonfiction because uh, I think the way that Coulter does it is very interesting and she is extremely personal in her approach. So while I was reading this, I felt like, oh my God, I know so much about this person and I've never even met her. And in a way that also helped me in my own approach to writing about my own life. So yeah, definitely if you're if you're looking for a way to express your own opinions and thoughts about your life or something that you've struggled with, then read this essay collection and memoir. My first pick was Radio Silence by Alice Osman, and I would recommend this to people who are looking for a fun and speculative YA. It's a bit nerdy, but it's also thought-provoking. The second book I picked is Nothing Good Can Come From This by Christy Coulter. I would recommend this to anyone who's looking for an insightful memoir on alcohol addiction and sobriety, and anyone else who wants to get an idea about you know, how to write a deeply personal memoir or essay. So thank you to Samaya for those amazing recommendations. You'll definitely want to add those to your TBR stacks. Which, speaking of TBR stacks, Kendra, what are you reading right now? Uh, so I'm actually reading Sloth Hilda by Dante Fabiero, and this is out from Skyhorse Publishing. And Sloth Hilda is a lady sloth, and she has a corgi named Peanut, and she introverts hard. And <laughs> I love this comic 
so, so much. And she reads a lot of books and she has struggles with compulsive eating and because being a sloth, you understand, she just sits around and eats food and <laughs> procrastinates. And her quirky peanut uh, is amazing, who also eats a lot of food. And uh, I just love it because as someone who is a huge introvert and has a love affair with her couch and her corgi, I just I just need this graphic novel because it's so cute and it brings me so much joy. And I feel like in a time right now where everything is so tumultuous and stressful with everything that's going on in the world, we need more South Hilda in our lives. I'm not surprised you're recommending this. I, I like it so cute. I was like taking photos of it with Dylan in the office the other day. And Samuel's like, how many photos did you take of him in that book? They're like, not enough, Sam, not enough. <laughs> so what are you reading right now, Autumn? So I just picked up Everyone Knows You Go Home by Natalia Sylvester. And this is published by Little A, which is an Amazon publishing imprint. And I decided to start this book because I'm in a bit of a reading slump, to be honest. And we saw Natalia at the Decatur Book Festival here in Georgia and heard Natalia speak on a panel. And not only was I really intrigued by the excerpt that she read from her book, but I was just blown away by her as a person. Definitely, she was one of my favorite authors that I heard that weekend. And so it really made me want to read her book. I've heard good things about it. And so far, I'm a couple chapters in and it's, it's amazing. So I will report back with a review on that when I finish it. Sounds great. And before we end the podcast, we asked Sumaya what she's currently reading. All right. So I'm currently reading The Only Story by Julian Barnes. I've actually just started it. And it seems to be like the kind of books that I can make my mind on only after I've read the entire thing. Uh, there's a lot in it about love and memory. And it's basically this, uh, from the perspective of this young man, uh, a 19-year-old, in fact, who falls in love with a much older woman. So thanks so much to Samaya for coming on the podcast. You can check out her Instagram, samaya.books, and her blog, both of which will be linked down in the show notes. We are just thrilled that she uh, was up for coming on the podcast and talking books with us. And thanks again to Bomba Socks for sponsoring this episode of the Reading Women podcast. Definitely check out our show notes to get 20% off your first order. If you haven't already, we would love it if you would review us in Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice. And thanks to all of you who have already reviewed us. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, you can also check out our newsletter for new books, reviews, and more. We also always announce our discussion books first there. So if you want to head start on the reading, we'll definitely want to check out that newsletter. And that will be linked in the show notes. And by the time this podcast drops, I don't think we will have passed it. We mentioned on Instagram the other day that when we reach 100 reviews on Apple Podcasts, we're going to do a special giveaway, so if you haven't reviewed the podcast yet, just pop over and drop in a review. We greatly appreciate it. So be sure to join us next time, where we will be talking about A Place for Us and Purple Hibiscus. In the meantime, you can find Reading Women on Instagram and Twitter at The Reading Women. You can find Kendra at Katie Winchester and me at Autumn Privet. You can also find us at readingwomenpodcast.com, where you can find past episodes, author Q&As, book lists, and much, much more. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.